When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello there. So we're back after a week off, but I guess given the kind of stop-start nature of the last few weeks, it kind of feels like, you know, now the norm is that FPL is like a holiday and having time off is the normal kind of thing we do. I suppose we're going to be rediscovering our love of the game soon, though. The high anticipation of the second quarter of the season coming up just before the World Cup. We're back and here to talk about FPL uh, and get our heads back into the game. Um, I'm joined by Lucy, of course, but also a guest today, uh, second appearance on the pod and probably one of the top two or three FPL managers in my eyes out there. It's FPL Salah, a.k.a. Abdul Rahman. Hey, Abdul, you all right? Yeah, good, Tom. Yeah, some high praise there. Thanks very much. <laughs> very warranted praise, though, Abdul, I feel. Lucy's up there as well. Lucy, I think you're probably, I would say, top five, top six as well. No, but very kind of you. (laughs) (laughs) You're the the goat, according to Hindu Monkey. Yeah, well, yeah, he has to keep me sweet because he has to work with me. So you know how it is. It's great to have you on. We are Who Got The Assist. You can find Tom on the main account at WGTA underscore FBL. And you can find me, Lucy, at Lucy Hynett with two Ts. On the pod today, we have a bit of a where are we section with a short look at the state of play at the moment. We'll be looking ahead to the second quarter of the season before the World Cup. And we'll discuss the key teams and players for that period. Abdul is on his wildcard, so I'm sure he'll have plenty of ideas here. Just so you're aware, we're recording on the evening of Monday, the 26th of September. So everything can change right now, including Abdul's wildcard. Yes, exactly. No, no uh, commitments here, I'm sure. Well, I don't know. Hopefully not. Don't wish injury on anyone, but we, we may already, we may see more injuries and stuff happen after we've uh, done this podcast. I'm sure we'll spend ages talking about one individual, only for them then to turn up crocked. But yes, Getting ahead back into FPL, I think maybe the thing to do here is because it's been a little while just to just go through our game reviews from uh, the the kind of the partial game week. Is it a PGW? Is it a BGW still uh, that's just gone? And um, just see how we did and begin to get a feel for the lie of the lamb once more. I should start with you, Abdul, because it's your, it was your last game week, wasn't it? Before your wildcards. Yeah. You took your two free transfers. You got to a team to 11, but you had one surprising hero didn't you yeah i think this is probably like that was one of my favorite hauls um so obviously harrison reed his first goal for fulham ever and in four seasons first time played him um i think his ownership was like what like under one percent or something but yeah i mean without without him we'd had a red arrow we'd had kind of below average score so yeah kind of lucked out there so yeah more than happy with that what, what moves did you make for the two free transfers? Uh, so the two free transfers were um, Mitrovic and Saka that, that came in. Um, so I, I took out, you know, it's been, it's been so long. Actually, I <laughs> it does feel like who, a long time ago. Yeah. 
Salah and Archer to, to Mitrovic and Saka. And obviously, you know, I'd, I'd committed with, with taking Salah, I'd committed to using the wildcard this week. Cool. And where are you overall? Um, I'm on about 200k now. So I was before the before the game week, I was at 355k and then I went up to 220k. So yeah, so it was a decent start. It's a decent start. I'm happy with that start, you know, especially considering there's over like 10 million players, uh, well, 10, 10 million teams this season. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I like the fact that Harrison Reed basically on his own has pretty much matched your two transfers in, i.e. Mitrovic and Saka. Yeah. So Saka was a very good move, actually, with a nine-pointer. Got two mm-hmm. assists, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he got yeah. two assists, yeah. Indeed. Right, and uh, on to me and Lucy, who have somehow managed to both end up with pretty much the same team again. Um, I think the only difference is Zaha over Bowen and <laughs> Soufal over you know another 4.0 and Emerson that I've got. I mean, Lucy, how did you end up on your team? Did you? Uh, we well, haven't copied each other, have we? That's the weird thing. I was thinking about this because you've asked me to explain it. Um, and I think once we both decided, I think that the points of divergence for game week eight wildcard is, was whether you wanted Kane or KDB. And as we both decided we wanted KDB, I don't think there were actually that many points you could diverge on once you kind of made that decision. Um, so it really came down to those fourth and fifth defenders that you just mentioned, the third and fourth midfielders and the striker. Um, I think, finally, we both said, oh, we'd quite like to keep Jesus and then didn't. Um, but basically just for that fixture run from Isaac. And then it was just really which three of Bowen, Madison and Zaha you fancy taking. I couldn't afford to have Bowen and Madison and not go, you know, um, and keep kind of a full team. You've had to like really scrimp at the back to afford it. Um so I guess, yeah, my lower budget there has forced me into going straight to Zaha, which I'm not really that bothered about because I don't really like planning in a whole load of heat transfers, which I felt like a lot of game week eight wildcards were doing. They were like stacking in a load of planned transfers, which, as we're about to find out with Isaac, can come on unhinged quite quickly. So I think that's, yeah, basically how we ended up with basically the same team. Mm, yeah, so 62 each. Um, I think are you, you're still like, is it one hall beneath me? Something like that. Seven points behind you. Seven points behind. How many thousand difference is that? I'm 126k. It's, it's ridiculous how bunched up we are, isn't it? I'm sure Abdul, yeah. you must be like 15 points behind me, something like that. Like really, really close. And it's just having mm-hmm. such a huge effect on the OR. But yeah, no, as Lucy said, very similar teams. I opted for Bowen. Um, over Zaha just because I could fit him in with two 4.0s so Emerson and uh, I think I kept Nico Williams um, we both got 62 points this week I suspect Bowen will be the one that most people on wildcard and we'll find out later if it's true but I suspect Bowen will be the one that most people aren't really interested in for this wildcard I think it would be back to Zaha and back to other areas but yeah 62 points for me and up to 62k which was just okay I mean it, it wasn't it wasn't amazing like when Jesus and particularly when Saliba scored I think that that's when the rank like, from what I remember, I think I was like kind of at 20k or something before the Arsenal game, and then Jesus scoring. Okay, that was evened out by uh, by Isaac, but the the salad of 15 points are really did kind of mess with it. Yeah, and I sold him on wildcard. Does that really sound? Yeah, top scoring defender at the moment as well, a salad of all people. So let's move on to this to the main part of the podcast, which is about the second quarter and how it looks going forward. Uh, something very American sounding about that, isn't there? The second quarter. A very kind of business meeting sort of thing. But hey, I mean, it's, it's, it's what we've got to go with. Otherwise, it's the second half of the first half of the season. That's not particularly snappy. And I think it's probably just worth doing a where were we before we start to look forward. And I guess I just wanted to talk quickly about 
how we characterize this season thus far to see whether we've, we've learned anything or whether we're able to assert anything about how the season looks and feels. So as I mentioned a couple of pods ago, the forwards have seemed to have made a serious resurgence. And I did the same exercise again as I did them, which was to look at the top 10 players per position over the last kind of four or five years, just to get an idea of the proportion of points scoring thus far in the season and see how things have evolved kind of over time. And yeah, you know, same thing. Forwards are trickling up in terms of uh, a couple of percentage points in terms of points scored, in terms of the proportion of points scored in FPL. And defender points are correspondingly going down. Uh, a few little guys, interesting tidbits on this. So Haaland, 73 points, is the second best forward score by this point over the last five years. Only Kane in 2021, who got 84, did better. Pope's the highest scoring goalkeeper on 38, which is on par with most years, really. And Saliba, as I mentioned, is now the top scoring defender. And his 44 points now is basically par for defenders over the last kind of five years. For example, he outscored Trent, who by game week 10 in 2019-20 had only 42 points. He went on to score 210 points this season. I'm not very sure that Salibur's going to do the same. One really interesting thing I did pick out, though, was KDB, um, who's the highest scoring midfielder um, at the moment, with just 45 points. Uh, Looking around in midfield, at this point in the past, the number's actually been far higher. So last season, Salah was on 83 points by this point, which is more than double his current tally. And back in 2021, Son was on 84 as well. KDB himself was on 64 back in 2019-20, and Hazard back in 2018-19 was on 74. So a serious difference there, actually. And I know we've been on about the resurgence of the forwards, but the midfielders aren't doing that great either. Now, there's a huge caveat to this, uh, which is that there's fewer games played this season thus far due to all of the things that we spoke about earlier on so normally looking at about in terms of a game total 6,800 900 points scored right now but currently there's only about 5,500 points scored so the proportion's important not the overall number but it's really fascinating how in midfield there's no kind of tall poppies right now and we're looking at the forwards and saying well aren't these guys amazing but the midfield also it's not particularly incredible in terms of the individuals excelling. In the past, there were loads of players who were around kind of a 50, 60 point mark at this time, bearing in mind kind of the fact we've had fewer games played. Look in wildcard squads as well. You've got like Madison, Zaha, Bowen last week, who are more fixture points than anything else. So the forwards have done pretty well. The midfield hasn't really started very well and defenders haven't either. And I just see what you think in a second, Abdul and Lucy, but I just don't think at the moment we've got enough information to pass judgment on how the season's going to go. And due to the stop-start nature of, of the last few weeks, I really reckon the second quarter is going to be quite exciting in some ways because it's, it's new all over again, isn't it? I mean, Abdul, what do you think about how the season's gone thus far? Yeah, I pretty much agree with what you've said, Tom. Um, I just think that the start of the season has been kind of unprecedented because just the way, obviously, the FPL have priced the players and, and the way the fixtures have fallen, you know, especially for the, the bigger teams, you know, we've, we've not really kind of had any decisions to make. I mean, I, I've I made my first transfer in, in game week five, which is which is <laughs> crazy. Even for me, like even you know me being quite a conservative, patient manager, in general, even that is just you know madness to me. So, yeah, I mean, I think now it's starting to kind of break up a bit, as you said. That the forwards have come to the for the four, like you know we had that you know the likes of Isaac, Tony, even well, Isaac's injured. We know he's injured, but you know he was an option, and then. Even the likes of like you know Solanke, Mitrovic, you know have kind of come into the forefront now. You know we all started to kind of big at the back, and you see now with the, with the game week eight wild cards and you know I think more specifically with the game week nine wild 
wild carders. A lot, a lot are going down to three at the back. You know, um, you know, some three at back, some four at the back. So yeah, it's it's, it's breaking up now, uh, which I think is good. And um, we've got a good fixtures for the likes of you know Bournemouth, Palace, West Ham, you know, uh, Leicester City. So we've got um, you know players to pick from from like you know teams outside the, the you know the top four, which we didn't have in the first seven game weeks. I think it's going to diverge a bit now, which is always good. As template queen, Lucy, I mean, do you, do you think that this is a, is a good thing or a bad thing that we're about to go off on different pathways? I mean, personally, it's a bad thing, but I hear that people like making decisions, weirdly. So, you know, <laughs> for that reason, it's probably a good thing. Um, I think, as we were saying, it's just coming to an end of a, a particular phase of the season. And then I think it'll start to shake up a bit. I think the fact, and Abdul just just touched on it the fact that a lot of the big teams had a really straightforward fixture runs kind of eliminated a lot of the decision making whereas now I, I'm sure we'll get into it in a bit more depth in terms of which teams to pick but there are a plethora of kind of bottom half teams who look like they have favorable fixture runs and with that there's always a bit more uncertainty a bit more risk about who you should pick and who might provide the points um, so there's kind of an opportunity there to accelerate if you call those right obviously the flip side being that things can go wrong if you get them wrong no, I, I, I really hope it does get that way. I mean, obviously, I've benefited from the fact that there's been very few decisions and I started off on game week one very well. But it certainly has been a time period, as you both reflected, that the conversations have been a lot about there being a strong template. And that mixed with fewer games happening has meant that expectations have become very kind of fade. Um, so I'm very interested to see how the second quarter of this first half of the season is going to go. Because I think things will change a lot. There's been a break. There's also been this national break, the first one of the season. Uh, I think hopefully we'll be looking at kind of a, a new start in loads of ways for lots of different things in terms of players, teams, and us as FPL managers. I guess the only spanner in the works is Game Week 12, obviously, which is the one thing that we, you know, we thought we'd have a straightforward run now to the World Cup, and it now looks like we're going to have to plan around this awkward gap, which is mm. obviously taking in Arsenal and City, who are two very popular teams for good reason because they're performing well, so... I guess that's the only thing to dampen our enthusiasm for this next bit. I think that that game week twelve. I think these kind of you know the, the fixture runs, the way it's kind of set out, and that game week twelve blank is like a huge advantage for us kind of engaged managers. Um, I think from like up until this point, um, you know, you, you'd say the less engaged managers are kind of kept up due to the you know the straightforwardness of it. But I think that game week twelve is going to catch a lot of people out. Uh, you know, like the less engaged managers, and I think that's going to give us. Um, you know that advantage we need because we, as we kind of touched on, you know, over the last few years, you know, with, with the, the the game growing and with the amount of information out there, it's harder to get that edge. And I think opportunities like this, you know, give us that edge. So I, I'm I'm quite glad that we have that blank there. I think it's going to benefit us. So how how are you setting up for Abdul? Let's move on to kind of looking ahead. I guess a good point to start is your wild card. I mean, how are you setting up for it, and how are you trying to anticipate? all of the the rocky road that we're going to be going on ahead of uh, kind of the second quarter beginning yeah um so i think honestly i think that most of that wild card kind of picks itself like of the only decisions i've really got to make now are uh the goalkeepers which i'm really really unsure on um the fourth and fifth defenders and and solanke i think the rest of it you know is probably quite similar to game Kate wild carders apart from Salah and trent yeah um, I think that was one of the main reasons I want the, the kind of wild card in game week nine as well. I think that Brighton fixture at home is could potentially be huge. 
because uh, Salah's ownership is going to be, you know, so low now that you know we've probably not, you know, seen his ownership this low in the, you know the past four or five seasons. I'd say past four seasons definitely, and, and Trent's ownership is going to be, you know, at his lowest point in, in a long time as well. So at the moment, I've got Guaita and Everson in goal, and then I've got uh, Trent, James, and Cancelo at the back, and then I've got Nico Williams and Lewis Dunk. And then midfield, I've got Martinelli, Zaha, Madison, Salah, and Andreas. And up front, I've got Mitrovic, Haaland, and Solanke. So, yeah, at the moment, um, my decision, so that, that Lewis Dunk position could become uh, Mark Guy, who's who's dropped to 4.3. It could be Kilman. Um, it could be James Justin, who have all got good fixtures in game week 12, uh, you know, to cover uh, to cover me for that. You know, Palace's fixtures are great. I know their kind of defensive stats have been quite poor so far this season. But, you know, if we're playing the fixtures, you know, they have got, you know, fantastic fixtures coming up. The only worry, I think, with 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 Guaita, though, is that um, I think he... There's been kind of rumours and talks of him maybe not being nailed, you know, with Johnson there. And, you know, he could, you know, potentially, yep. potentially get dropped. And then I've got Everson there in goal who, you know, probably isn't first choice. He probably will maybe become first choice soon, but he isn't at the moment. So I think that's quite risky. I, I, could, I could well go uh, Ward and Everson again. Um, you know, to be fair, to be perfectly honest, could have Pope in there. Um, yeah. So yeah, so th- th- those are the positions that are um, kind of up in there at the moment. And the reason I've got kind of Solanke there, I think, obviously, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of Solanke slander um, <laughs> on, on Twitter recently, <laughs> and uh, and I, I think he's a great, I think he's a decent option. I think he's he's on, he's he's, he's a ninety minute man. He's on penalties. He got like twenty nine goals and or seven assists last season in the championship. So he's you know he's he's a good he's a good player for his price. The price is the main kind of reason I've got him. He he allows he basically allows me a, a Cancelo instead of Trippier. So I really want Cancelo in there. So if I if I if I went for example Tony who who probably will be another popular option on the on, on the wild card this week. If I went Tony instead of Solanke then I'd have to get rid of you know one of Cancelo and Trent or possibly in Martinelli and I, I don't think I want to do that. I think Trent and Cancelo are going to be a total locks in my team. You know, up until game week 16, I think, you know, I'm going to want them up until that point. Martinelli, you know, is the one who is probably most likely, you know, to kind of miss out. But I just think at that price point, if it, you know, for example, with with his his use, I think he's too much in, in terms of, you know, keeping him over that perfection run when we've got, you know, so many good forward options. But with Martinelli, I don't think there's anybody in that price bracket who's, who's better value than him. And he's easily benchable. So that's kind of my thinking at the moment. That's kind of where my head is at. Um, and I'm, as I said, just just for probably like you know the goalkeeper positions and, and the fourth and fifth defenders, which are kind of up in the air at the moment. Any but, comment on the goalkeeper specifically, Tom? Just interested, out of curiosity, no agenda behind that. I mean, um, we actually do have a question later on about goalkeepers, which I'm, which I'm now going to bring up to here, which is PBS Punk, who asked if we can address the conundrum surrounding goalkeepers on the wild card. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've had terrible experiences with Guaita. Um, absolutely terrible expected goal prevented last season. And I think you, you know, the, the Johnston point is key, really, because I feel like he's only a couple of mistakes away from being replaced. Like if you've got, yeah. you know, a situation where you've got Edison or Ortega or something like that, you're never worried that mm-hmm. it would take a lot for that, that to happen. But with a capable goalkeeper who's been in the England squad being the backup, to to Guaita, that is that that would worry me. But I'm supposed yeah. to be buying a transfer, you know, and and plus Gahey, as you said, four point three, like he's obvious bench fodder. 
I mean, the fixtures are very good, I know, but it's still, you know, it's it's not, it's it's Crystal Palace, you know, it's it's not like you're missing out on a Man City player to do that. But at four point yeah. five, you know, you've got you've got to accept a degree of uncertainty, haven't you, with the with the players on offer, and the, there's no kind of clean sheets really which are guarantees. I mean, you've got I think it's Reyes joint top with Pope for saves at the moment. You've got you have Sanchez at Brighton. Um, Pickford and Negovic, I know Pickford injured at the moment, but those two at Everton be quite interesting. Um, very awkward team to play against, it sounds like at the moment. Those gr- grizzled veterans, Tarkovsky and Cody in the centre. And then, you you know, you're really down to stuff like, you know, Neto at yeah. Bournemouth. I mean, it, it starts to get really kind of quite I awkward, doesn't it? I'd be it going does. for Ward, and I know that sounds insane, but I just think their fixtures are really good. Yeah. And I just don't think Rodgers can hang on that long. Like, surely it's coming soon. Surely. At the moment, I'm kind of really, I mean, I, I could very well, you know, go with, with Ward and Everson because, as you said, Lucy, their fixtures are great. And as you just said there, Tom, it's like, you know, that it's, it's just really, really slim pickings. Um, and I, really, I liked your evidence shout because I did actually think about, um, I actually think Pickford and Begovic isn't a bad shout at all. Um, you know, because Everton has kind of seemed to have kind of, you know, playing a lot more tighter now, you know, just kind of seeming, you know, getting that, you know, getting that goal and sitting back. They're not really, they're not really got the players to kind of, you know, play any sort of, you know, flair football or, you know, attacking football. So, mm. and, and Pickford's always good for saves. So, yeah, it's just, um, I think, I think, you know, that's, uh, you know, Pickford and Beg is, is a good show as any. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I mean, I mean, there's just so, so many poor options. I, I just think Ward and Emerson, because they're the cheapest, you know, it could just be the case of just going for them. Um, and, you know, their, their fixtures, I mean, they've got eight points so far, I think, between them. I mean, over that next four, they've got Nottingham first at home, they've got Bournemouth and away, and then Crystal Palace leads at home. Surely, you know, it can't get any worse in the first six games, surely. I just don't know how, <laughs> I just don't know how long Rogers is going to hold on for. I mean, there's definite merit if you're going to 0.0, because you've got Salah and you've got Trent there, that's not an yeah. issue that me and Lucy had to deal with in game week seven and eight. Like loads of people have not point noughted and now have no route to Salah beyond like a minus four or a minus eight. Yeah. Trent, Trent as well. I mean, that's even more kind of surgery that needs to be done for people who have that team, the game week eight sort of wildcard team. Mm-hmm. So yeah, having a 0.5 and just reinvesting that elsewhere and just going, you know what, goalkeeper, whatever, 1.2 point, absolutely fine. Yeah. Elevate the rest of the 10. That is a sound strategy, really, especially given the fact that you can pack in like, the players you just described that you've got in your wildcard, being able to pack in all of those players and having that kind of ridiculous back three of uh, Trent, James and Cancelo. That's pretty damn decent, isn't it, really? So absolutely makes a lot of sense. Plus Salah this week. I mean, let's talk about Liverpool for a second, Abdul. Like, mm. I, I guess the next few are a little bit dodgy um, and they've got obviously City in game week 11. Do you project that they're going to improve and improve significantly because i think that's definitely something that from what the, the prior evidence was meant that game week eight wild cards like lucy and i have just kind of thought well it's probably not worth including them here yeah see that that was a, that's that's the big difference between a game week eight and a game week nine wild card is just you know with, with the Liverpool boys and i think to answer your question they will improve i believe they will improve by how much i don't know um they've got tiago back now uh, so they did seem a lot better, uh, you know, playing a lot more fluid against Ajax, um, you know, when, when he was back. And it, it's worth a gamble because the Brighton, Brighton at home fixture is great. You know, if, if they bang in that, then, you know, everybody's going to be bringing them back in again. 
if they flop, then you know they've got Arsenal Man City next. So it is a bit of a gamble, but I think it's one that's really worth taking. As I've seen before, you're not going to get you know Salah and Trent at that kind of low ownership probably in, in a long time. The potential is there, you know, for huge holes. So I, I think it's worth the risk, and I think um, you know. Liverpool, have, they've, they've just been too good over the last few seasons just to kind of write them off after like a few bad games. They have had a lot of injuries, you know, at the back, the midfield. So um, now, you know, they've got a few players back. They've had a nice little, kind of long break. I, I do think they'll improve, but it's probably a bit of hope there in, as well. But if you just look at their team, they're surely they're, they're bound to come good sooner rather than later, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so I had a question actually uh, from Desperately Seeking Duzan. Um, who asks, uh, well, FPL Salah, you're called FPL Salah. So <laughs> what, what do you think about him this season in real life as much as FPL? Obviously, the data's still there. We know that. Um, but what's your view of his kind of overall positioning? And but I, why are you including him? Is it kind of a legacy of kind of faith in the guy? Or is it something that you <laughs> believe is going to happen going forward? Or is it just because your Twitter's called that? So you've got to have him in no matter what. No, I mean, like... I'm called FPL Salah, and you know I'm a big fan of Salah, obviously. But I mean, when it comes to kind of FPL and decisions, there's there's no sentiment in there. There's no loyalty there. If Salah becomes a bad option, I'll you know I'll I'll be the first one to take him out. But I do think if you look at his stats, like you know compared to last season, just for example, you know they are hugely kind of down. But as you say, they're not bad. Okay, uh, they're probably not you know up to his kind of high standards. And I think again, that's more kind of to do with the way they've kind of set up. He has been playing a lot more wide, but he's still getting in those positions. He's still kind of, you know, popping up in the box. And he's only really blanked against, so he, he blanked um, against Crystal Palace in game week two, right, which which is a home fixture, which, okay, you expect him to do well in. Scored against United. That Bournemouth fixture where they, they won 9-0, I mean, the odds in that were, you know, astronomical. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd I'd be interested to see what kind of you know if you know you get you get those kind of request bets that you can get from the bookies, and I'd be interested to see you know what 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 odds he would give for that. You know, Bournemouth winning nine 0 and Salah getting no returns, it'd be like kind of lottery odds, right? So that's like a one in a lifetime kind of um, event. So I'd put that kind of you know down to an anomaly, and then he scored. You know, he got two assists against Newcastle. And he's a whisker away getting the goal against Everton as well. So. Again, if he scores against Everton, you know, I, I don't think it's, you know, as big a disaster as, you know, people are making out. It's a bit of a recency bias there as well. So I'm, I'm not too worried. Um, I, again, I just think he's just like Liverpool. They've, they've, they've got too much in the bank. They, they've, he's, done too, he's done so well over the last four or five seasons that we need to give him a bit more time. I, I'm, I'm not worried about him kind of, you know, uh, regressing to like, you know, half the player he is or, or that. I, I think he'll easily get maybe, you know, maybe 15 to 18 goals again this season, um, you know, if not more. So just think it's a matter of time. Okay. I mean, Liverpool's still third for XG and also XGA um, this season, despite any Penn State's mm-hmm. game. So absolutely, it seems like the underlying data is there. And Salah's obviously, I uh, think in the top five yeah. for non-Penn XG as well. Definitely worth it. And I guess there's a question here as well yeah. from, J- from James Carroll. Um, who asked, you know, which second premium you're going for? I suppose just to kind of slightly change that question, why have you gone for Salah over, you know, Kane or uh, Kevin De Bruyne, um, who would probably be kind of shouts in this position? I, I, I simply think Salah's the, the better option. If, if I thought, you know, Salah was was regressing and has, has become, you know, a, a poor kind of, you know, a much poorer FPL option, and then I'd go for, for Kane and KDB. But I still think, you know, despite, you know, his kind of, you know, shortcomings and, you know, 
in the first kind of few game weeks, I still think he's a much better option than Kane and um, and KDB. And you know he's got you know the higher goal threat than KDB. You know then he's got the assists over Kane. Yeah, so just simply, I think he's a better option. Um, and I'm I'm not like I'm I'm not as worried about Salah as, as most people are. Um, you know, as you, you've probably seen on Twitter, you know, there's a lot of hyperbole around you know Salah losing it and not being worth the price. And okay, he's not been worth the price at the moment. That doesn't mean he won't be in the, in the next few games. Okay, excellent. I mean, Lucy, for us, game week eight wildcarders. I mean, what's your view? Are you looking? Because we both left money in the bank, didn't we, to do KDB to Salah whenever we wanted. Are you as tempted to bring him in? Bring him in. Obviously, both got Isaac to deal with. But are you are you kind of a bit tempted, feeling the FOMO about this Bryson game and Liverpool in general? I mean, where do you stand on them? I I am with. Abdul in the sense that I think the extent of Liverpool's drop-off has been vastly exaggerated. And I do think he's right that Thiago will improve things significantly because it's really in midfield that you've noticed on attacks that they look particularly poor. So I do think that's the case. My real problem is kind of what Abdul just touched upon in the sense that if they don't fire in the Brighton game, it looks a bit awkward for them in terms of having Arsenal and City. And then it's all, and then I, you'd kind of naturally gravitate back to them anyway after that. Um, so I'm kind of at the moment a position where I'm inclined to hold on. Um, if obviously you're on a wild card, it's a much simpler suggestion and I would probably take the gamble on them. But if you're like you and me and you need to use a transfer to do it, and you've probably got other issues because most game week eight wildcarders have got some kind of issue. Um, then I, I'm just taking them out of the equation at this point. I think it's a perfectly sensible decision when you're on a wildcard, but I just don't think it's offering me enough to tempt me to use the transfer. Um, I'm just going to keep the money in the bank for now, I think, really, and see see how it looks in a couple of weeks, um, knowing that I've probably got some other higher priority things to look at. Yeah, definitely. I mean, big game Kev uh, for both of us, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, um, is in both our teams. And I think that, you know, obviously did play two 90s over international break and Salah was excused from second game in Egypt. Um, so that's definitely one to consider. Yeah. But nonetheless, I think I'm likely to keep De Bruyne and he's keeping an eye on what happens ahead of the Southampton game because there's the Copenhagen. I think they're playing Copenhagen mm-hmm. either side of that. So where does, if there is, I hate predicts Pep, but if there is a rest to come, where would that be? I, that's kind of a yeah. question that's been floating around a little bit. Um, but I think my, I'm probably still with Lucy at the moment. I think what I'll do, what I'm looking to do is probably Son for game week 11 for KDB when oh. to, to avoid the City-Liverpool game, captain him for that week and then back to Mo in game week 12. But Definitely hear what you're saying there, Abdul, about this week. I, I like the fact that there's a huge kind of upside. No, Salah's like less owned than Trent at the moment, like 35%, I think it is. And yeah, e- e- even that in the engaged manager set is, I, I can even, I can see your tweet mm-hmm. now. I can visualize it in my head. Like Salah's, <laughs> Salah's, I've, got, Salah's, I've got the drafts on it. I've got all the drafts made up already. <laughs> Salah is a differential. <laughs> like, full stop, nothing else. Yeah. It's, oh, God. I can just see it. Don't worry. I've got, I've got, I've got them all saved up. Just ready to split out once Salah bangs again. But um, yeah, it's, it's certainly a decision to make for, for KDB owners. I, I, I think for you guys, it's, it's a really tough one because my United at home is, I think that's a good fixture. If you look at the bookies' odds this week, uh, they're actually the, the favourites to score two point five goals, fifty uh, percent, and they're also they're also like uh, the second favourites to keep a clean sheet. So, 
United at home is, is still a good fixture. Then they've got Southampton at home, which is fantastic. Um, and obviously Liverpool fixture can kind can, of can go anywhere. I think that'll be kind of high scoring. So I see that as a good fixture for KDB as well. I think he'll play the next three as well. And I think because they've got game week 12 off, I think that's where he'll get, you know, the whole team will get their rest. So yeah, certainly a, certainly a tough decision for those who have got KDB. I just find it hard to even, I don't know if you agree with me, Lucy, but I find it really hard to even begin to make the case that any fixture for Man City at the moment is a tough one. Um, and I just, yeah, you know, I, I maybe would be kind of taking KDB out for the Liverpool game. But equally, I kind of would know that, for example, Salah would be a great cap. Sorry, uh, I know that Haaland would be a great captain in that game because you can get so much space because our Liverpool play. So, yeah, it's, it's certainly very interesting. I mean, I, I guess it's, it's, it's it, I, feel, I feel like we both have to make our bed and lie in it, don't we, Lucy? Mm. Um, I think the real problem here is, well, not problem. Um, the real factor here is that Haaland, for the foreseeable, seems to be our captain. So if that's the case, it almost takes the pressure off this decision to a certain extent because we yeah. don't need to worry too much about bring. You'd have if you were going to bring Salah in, you'd have to captain him to make it kind of seem worthwhile. And I, I'm just I don't really have an appetite for that either. So um, at this point, yeah, I'm I'm probably sticking with KDB and hoping that that works out. Um, but I do agree that there is a massive opportunity if you're on a wild card to mm-hmm. go with Salah and Trent and and see what happens. And even like owning KDB at the moment is that actually like the you know the kind of the safest option if you're looking at you know if you're if you're into the you know the effective ownership, um you know especially like in the top 100k you know KDB is going to be you know more owned than than Salah, yeah and you know he, he is going to be the, the safe option so really you, you're you're taking a you're taking a risk actually it sounds weird but you're taking a risk by bringing Salah in for a home fixture against Brighton, but but yeah I guess it just it just depends on your on your risk appetite doesn't it. All right, let's uh, let's look at another player that you mentioned. Um, I love the way you. I, I think it's just your accent, but I just love the way it came out. The Solanke slander, um, <laughs> Solanke slander. It's, it's, just, it's just so like murder most foul, isn't it? But yeah, like, I, it's definitely one of those players that I look at, and my immediate, especially because Hindu Monkey's pushing it, I one for Twitter people, yeah. obviously. But my immediate feeling is, wow, this is a huge trap. I mean, I, I, I know, for example, Bournemouth have had loads of tough fixtures. So that's un, un, yeah. un, inarguable. So they've had City, Arsenal, Liverpool and Newcastle already. So I can understand, for example, why they've ended up with just 3.3 XG from their opening seven games and why Solanke is 95th mm-hmm. for XG overall, 0.6 uh, from 4.5 starts and 105th for non-pen XGI. So Estupinian... Jake Ducore, Aaron Creswell have all got the same XGI as this guy. <laughs> but the value is absolutely fine. On pens as well. The money can go yeah. elsewhere. Brentford, Leicester, Fulham, Southampton, West Ham, next five. I'm just a bit wary about building a story about him. Uh, I think the expectation is obviously that you know, one or two goals within that is absolutely fine. Yeah. And I'm just, it's one of those totally. where I'm kind of, I kind of look at it, especially if you're off kind of a, in the position where you've got Isaac or you're looking at that uh, for a striker to bring in, I just want to kind of give a counterbalance to it a little bit because, I mean, I know FPL Review, for example, has some second best value for strikers. I still, and he, he knows this, I still maintain the guy's office tips and MDMA when he puts the inputs in early doors because it is just, I, I don't really understand it. It's like Pookie or something like that. I, I just wonder whether it's, um, you know, if it wasn't such a big thing on on Twitter, uh, with Solanke, 
would people just kind of be thinking, well, you know, Tony, if you look at FBREF, look at Satsbond data, much better. Is it really just the fact that he's just enables stuff and we're kind of just hoping the fixtures work out versus the fact that, you know, the pricing is quite kind. You can put a decent team together otherwise. So surely maybe someone like, you know, Tony or something could do a better job for you. I just don't know about that one. But as you said, it enables a really good defense. So, yeah. And I think it's more kind of justifiable going for him, like on a wild card, because, you know, you're, you're picking a whole team. So, you're, you know, you've got, you know, for me, for, as I was saying before, like, you know, Solanke allows me Cancelo. But if you've got an Isaac there and you're using one transfer, then, you know, it probably doesn't make sense to go for, for Solanke over Tony if you can get him. Because un- unless you're using that second transfer to kind of upgrade another position. So as you said, he's he is an enabler, um, but I think he's a he's a good enabler as a, as you know you're saying ninety minutes pens, and you know if, if you the the one good fixture that Bournemouth had this this season uh, you'd say was you know against Nottingham Forest, which was you know a favourable fixture for them, and he got in a goal and assist. Um, you know Newcastle away was a tough game, you know Wills at home, you know they're they're terrible going forward, but you know they've always been a solid defence. And then, you know, he was injured for a few games as well. So I don't think, um, you know, obviously when you're looking at stats, we need to take all that into consideration as well. And um, I just think if you look at the next two games, for example, right, Brentford and Leicester, they're, they're both in the bottom five for, for um, goals conceded in an X, in, in, in XGC. So, you know, those fixtures are kind of as good as they get from an attacking point of view. Um, and then they've got Fulham away, which, you know, it's a kind of a, a promotional you know, promotion team derby, you could say that game could go anyway in Southampton at home. So it's really only the next four fixtures where, you know, I'm really interested in them. Uh, and then that, you know, that game week 12, you know, obviously when, you know, we're going to need our bench players. So he's, he's he's really kind of a short-term option, I think. You know, let's yeah. see how he does it over the next four. Got great fixtures, you know, he's he's a talisman. Yes, I, yes. I don't think it's much of a risk, to be honest, if you're, if you're on a wild card. Because, you know, by, by game week 12, you know, you know, after game week 12, the fixtures kind of do take a bit of a downturn. We've got a transfer to get rid of them. Yeah. I mean, Lucy, do you agree with that? I guess on wildcard, if it's more about it's more about picking the team, whereas for you and me, replacing uh, Isaac, it's, it's more of picking a player, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, I think Abdul's right in the sense that you need to have an idea of where you might use the money. Yeah. So at the moment, I don't think I have a clear strategy for how I would use that money that I'd unlock because it's not quite getting me to Trent, so that's kind of off the table. And I can't see anything in my midfield that I'd particularly change, so I'm not clear that the gain of kind of the compromise you make on Solanke, because, you know, he is a strike for Bournemouth. I mean, there are upsides to him, but, you know, we need to kind of limit our expectations to a certain extent. I'm <laughs> not sure that, that that upside works if you don't really have a clear, clear idea of where you're spending the money, whereas um, because I made a late decision on my wildcard to go for Madison rather than Bowen, I've actually got the little bit of money I need to go from Isaac to Tony and still keep the money that I reserved for Salah. So it doesn't kill me to go for Tony. So unless I come up with a strategy where I'm confident that I would make the most of that Solanke money, then I'm probably going to go for Tony and and see how that works out. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't suppose you've come up with anything where you would use the money there. No, I, I'm with you. I I just feel like uh, Solanke may be the route back to making Trent back in back e- a bit easier. Now, if that's the only thing I can think of for it, it might kind of help me out in the future. But I'm, 
I'm not sure. I think it's one of those things where I have to sit down with the FPL review planner, whatever planning planner you use, other planners are available out there um, to try to make a decision on how that's going to all fit together. But for me, I feel like it's more about picking the player rather than picking the team. And I think Tony's the player um, rather than Solanke being kind of you know, an individual pick to, to, to buy into. But you know, I completely understand why, you, why you'd be going there, that's for sure. I was just kind of obviously playing devil's advocate there. So um, I think a couple of other things we should probably quickly mention are the second quarter. We'll come back on to players in the questions because there's quite a few and we've already touched on a few of the questions, to be honest. But, but um, with the World Cup approaching um, and you know, really on the horizon now, what impacts will we see? I think Qataritis uh, could be quite an interesting one just to bear in mind, just because I think that's going to be the COVID of this second quarter. Like, I think the smallest quibble um, to preserve fitness for wildcard will be raised and players won't be playing. And there are even reports today, for example, that Argentinian players were, were going to ask to be excused for the final game week pre-World Cup. That's probably hearsay. But I think it'll be really interesting to just think about this because there's definitely going to be, especially because it's the prime of the season. At the end of you know, World Cup, World Cups in summer, you've probably got you know more of an excuse that you've put off the gas. Teams on the beach, you know, <clears throat> things have got taken their own kind of tomber. But in you know, middle of the season is when footballers reach peak fit, fitness, reach peak match fitness or match sharpness. I just wonder whether we're going to see an impact here, um, and whether you know, five subs may play more of a role because I mean. There was a lot of fanfare, hoo-ha about that preseason, wasn't there, Lucy? But it doesn't quite seem to have been something that's impacted their managers too much, unless you were in Perisic last week. Do you think that this is going to start I to think, have a wider profile now? I think the five subs thing has been less of an issue than we expected because I think they're primarily being used right at the end of the game. So there's been a hell of a lot of 80 plus minute subs, which you know are annoying if you if your player got benched because they only play 10 minutes, but from a kind of like starting player position, it's not quite so much of a threat. So I think Perisic, as you said, was the only one that's really gone um, early before the 60 minute mark and everyone's been kind of burnt by it. In, in the majority of cases, they've been quite late. They are definitely being used though. So I did a quick dig on this. So in game week eight, we only have had 14 teams play, but only three of those didn't make at least four subs. So taking advantage of the extra fourth, fourth and fifth sub that they're now allowed. So the majority of teams are using them. They're just not quite using them as we feared they might in the sense of taking 60-minute appearance points off us. Um, so I think that's probably one to look at because I expect that to accelerate um, as we get towards the World Cup. I'm a bit dubious on this idea that players will miss games as a result of Qataritis because I don't think that the motivation is there in the same way for clubs. So there will be pressure on players to play. I think yeah. clubs will want them to play. Now, I think more the issue will be not that they're not playing, but they're perhaps not playing to their maximum kind of exertion. They might be kind of, you know, foot off the gas on the beach, that kind of psychological thing that we sometimes see at the end of the season. That might be more of an issue. I think than players completely missing games with niggles and things because I just think clubs are going to want points on the board and if important players are available to play they'll play this is my kind of reading of it yeah just for the record I, I completely agree with Lucy and I'm just posing the question okay. <laughs> that's in case anyone is thinking god Tom's such a conspiracy theorist these days what's happened he's spent too much time over the last few weeks on Twitter dear me I mean uh, Abdul um are you in agreement with that um are you making any well, will you be making any provisions in your wildcard or just future thinking in terms of players you bring in? 
you know, when it comes to the clubs, they don't they don't care much about their international, you know, exertions because you know the the club are the one who who, who pays their wages. So I, I don't think there's going to be any sort of kind of um, taking the foot off the gas in, in that in that sense. But yeah, as we said, it could be the players, you know. You know, not all players like really are proud to play for their country, or you know, that interested, you know, as they used to be. But you know, there are st- still guys there who you know really do like playing for their country, and they might kind of you know take their foot off the gas a bit, and you know, be worried about getting injured for the World Cup, etc. But I think generally, I, I don't think you know there's going to be too much there. Maybe like in the final game week, you know, that there could be you know some kind of you know su- you know surprise exclusions, you know, in, in game week sixteen possibly. And um, also not forgetting the rail strikes as well. Uh, you're talking about the World Cup, but these rail strikes have, are causing a bit of panic among the FPL community as well. So we've got that to worry about. And I think with the way the economy is going, then we might end up with more strikes of varying yeah. kinds. Yeah, <laughs> and that's actually that's, it's a good point. I, I can't remember who, who it was on Twitter, but I did see that, like, you know, with the... With the kind of the budget meeting, um, you know, there's going to be so many more kind of companies and, and, and industries going on strikes. So we could well see more kind of, you know, cancellations, postponements. Oh, can't wait. It's going to be a very fun ride. It's mad yes. because we, we thought with COVID going, it, it was like, you know, all going to get back to normal, but. All fine. Trustonomics yeah. will save us. And um, yeah, I mean, famous <laughs> last words, but I think it, I think it might just be a quite an interesting time overall I, I wrote fun initially in my notes but I think interesting is probably the right word there'll be a bit of unpredictability projects in injects into proceedings but unlike the recent tumultuous events i.e you know, Queen Liz dying and all that I'm just hoping it will be without the schedule being interrupted too much I don't think we'll see another blank game week we may see some more postponements but I think that'll be it I think ultimately it's just been strange how serene the start of the season has been and how kind of hard to read the season has been thus far but I think it will begin to reveal itself um, as we go and it will reveal itself and then we'll all end up rethinking everything after the World Cup break so yeah, yeah not very long to go um, so it's uh, second, the second quarter now but yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how it goes right uh, let's take a break there and we'll come back uh, to do the mini update market forces and take your questions just after this who got the assist who got the assist Great, so we're back and it's time to look at the market forces. I mean, obviously, it's been a bit of a hiatus, uh, so the market's been quite slow. It's definitely not true anymore that during this national break, you make loads of money and you can build your wildcard team value. I think that whoever says that is just talking nonsense. But nonetheless, there has been some movement in the market. Incredibly, uh, William Saliba, uh, the, the top scoring defender, and the goal scoring defender last week, 215,000 transfers in for him. So Arsenal defence is starting to become quite a worrying thing if you don't own one. Uh, second, uh, Trippier, um, another one who Abdul has overlooked sensationally on his wildcard, um, bought in by 180,000 managers this week, uh, followed by Madison, 172,000. Uh, Tony, I think that he will start to gain even more traction because of the Isaac injury, 168,000. And Zaha, 158,000 transfers in. I mean, Saliba, Trippier, Abdul. I mean, Trippier's in a lot of teams now. Trippier and Pope, indeed, are in a lot of teams. Is that is that Newcastle defence something that you've thought about and thought about trying to wedge in? I don't think I'm too interested in Pope simply due to his price. Um, I think he's at 5.2 million. I just think he's probably a bit too much for me. But with Trippier, I think you know he could be worth it. I, I just don't think Newcastle's fixtures are as good now 
I think for, for Game Week 8 wildcarders, that Bournemouth fixture was really attractive. But, you know, they've got Fulham away next, which, you know, you'd probably fancy Fulham the score there. And they've got Brentford at home, you know, which is, you know, looks like a good fixture on paper. But I think Brentford have been really good going forward. You know, they've actually been in the top five for, for, for goal scored and XG. So, again, I don't see that as a great fixture. Then they've got mine United away. Then they've got Everton at home, which is okay. And then they've got Spurs away. I think, honestly, over the next, you know, five game weeks, I can maybe see, you know, one or two clean sheets max, um, which is why I'm not kind of, you know, too hot on them. Trippier could still well make it into my team. I just think, you know, with um, with, with his attacking threat, you know, he could be worth going for. But, yeah, I'm not too hot on them. I think if I wildcarded last week, then, you know, Pope and Trippier would have been in. Yeah, no, certainly makes sense. And uh, in terms of transfers out, uh, Gabriel Jesus uh, still continues to be sold ahead of that game week, uh, 12 blank, uh, almost 100,000 transfers out for him. Uh, Mo Salah, 181,000 transfers out for him. I don't think we're going to see another drop to 12.9. We're going to be the best price you'll get for him all season. I'm 100% sure of that. Uh, Marcus Rashford, 150,000 transfers out. Trent, 148,000 transfers out. So again, 10.4 for Trent. Probably the best price you'll get from all season. I'm not going to the World Cup now, is he, to be fair? So who have a nice break uh, during December and Zinchenko uh, injured and also um, out of 145,000 teams. So yeah, pretty reactionary, I guess, in some ways. And a lot of the time as well, just kind of moving towards that new template we're seeing. Second thing, just to mention very, very quickly is the mini league update. Um, so, uh, up the top this season, this week, um, well, two men up the top actually. Bryce Lear with uh, David Adinho United and Robin Hill, Jonathan Arkless, both of them 508 points. So, 500 mark after eight game weeks is very, very good going. Bryce stays where he was up 63 points. Uh, Jonathan joins him there uh, by the end of a 73 points this week. Down from second to third, Darwinian selection, Jonathan Treadaway at 61 points this week. Up from 15th to fourth, David Barnes of Let's Be Avenue. Like that. 70 points for him this week. Brought in Son and De Bruyne for Luis Diaz and Salah. So a big boon there, especially with Son's hat-trick off the bench. In fifth, in joint fifth, I should say, Pure, uh, Hakon Satra. I think he's just named that to test me. And Prasinari, Nikola Krishtik. Uh, both got ace two this week. Both did pretty damn well, actually. I think Hakon used his free hit, which is quite un- un- unconventional, actually, for last week. Uh, maybe uh, maybe off Twitter. Maybe that's just my Twitter head speaking. In seventh, up from 17th, Matt Clark, Czechoslovakia. 65 points for him this week. In eighth, down from fifth, uh, it's I am a football team, Ed Straw. In joint ninth, to round it off, there's four individuals, Mourinho Sigurdsson, Red Devils, Jack McMillan, Robin Smith, and Kit Ranjan, and Andy Mayheggy back in the top 10 again. The top guy, Captain Trippier as well. So winning that penalty did a lot for him. Well done, everybody, and we'll see how it goes next week. Well, let's move on to the listening questions this week. Uh, the first one was, and I think we kind of began to discuss it a little bit, but with breaking news that Isaac is out for a few weeks, where do owners go? I mean, Abdul, you, you began to say, obviously, why Solanke was a good, if you're wild carding, but if if it's somebody just making one move, like me and Lucy, would perhaps are going to be, we're not, it's not 100% confirmed that Isaac's out, but all of the journalists are sort of saying so. I mean, would you be looking at Tony or would you still be kind of advocating Solanke? If you've got like, you know, a solid plan of what to do with that extra cash with Solanke, you know, as you said, if you're able to upgrade, like, you know, to get a Zaha or a Madison or, or, or a Trent or somebody, then then yeah. But 
you know, if you can't make use of that money, I think this week, then Tony would be top of my list uh, for sure. Obviously, if you've not got Mitrovic, then you know him as well. But I think almost everyone everyone has Mitrovic now. So, so yeah, I think in a nutshell, Tony would be, be the top of my list um, you know, if I had Isaac. Can you get behind Solanke, Lucy? I, I think, yeah, I've kind of got it kind of mentioned this I think Solanke on a wild card makes sense Solanke with the free transfer I'm less it, it is literally just what you can do with the money I was just having a little fiddle while I was speaking there I could just about stretch to Trent as a result of getting Solanke but then I'd be closing the door to Salah I think you've got to have a lot of money sloshing around for it to be that useful yeah. or you've got to have say where for example Paul, um, Abdul's got Zahara Madison. I've got Zahara Madison. You've got Bowen Madison. If you had a cheaper person in one of those slots, then you've clearly got a bit more money around, so you you could make more use of it. Um, probably by getting one of those players in. Um, so I just don't. I just don't think that in the typical structure you will be able to make use of that money. Hmm. You would need to hold it for a couple of weeks and kind of chip away elsewhere to really make the most of it and I'm not sure now is the right time of the season to be doing something quite convoluted like that because we know that in game week 12 you're going to need to be prepared for a bit of kind of hokey-cokey around City and Arsenal players so yeah the more I talk through it the less keen I am on Solanke but I do think on a wild card I would have him. Okay yeah I I agree with you completely I think just obviously we said said about this earlier but just to kind of put it together into one thing I just, I've just got that feeling about Slanky. It might not quite work out. I think probably Tony's the one looking at the data. And the fixtures are all right. They're not great, but they're all right. Great for looking all right themselves. So they're sit for XG overall. And Tony himself, seventh for non pen XGI in the league. Pass on penalties and can do a very, very good free kick too. It does mean though, Lucy, unlike you, I need to dip into that Salah back fund. I'm just hoping that De Bruyne steps up and rises again to correct that. But I think he's probably the only one. I mean, I, I've seen a few people raising the prospect of Patson Dacker, for example, just because Leicester have got very good fixtures. Just again, that kind of fits into the I feel like that's a sale waiting to happen sort of situation. You don't know what's going on with him, Ianacho, Vardy. If Rogers is, is, is sacks, then again, we don't know what's going on there. I just find myself really wishing once more that Alice had a striker who was recognised as being the main man. But Almost I... like this wild card we played to restructure our teams. Might not have been that smart after all, but, you know, moving on very swiftly. Yeah, that was a terrible idea. But yeah, no, it's definitely, um, definitely interesting. I feel, like we've, I, feel, I feel like I might end up with Tony by default, really. Um, it did well for you last year, Abdul, so hopefully we'll do the same for me this year. Let's see. Um, next question. Adam Pritchard asks, which teams will benefit most from the mini break? And if there's anything we might take from it, so he said he's thinking about Chelsea and Brighton. What do you think here, Abdul? Because there's quite a few teams I mentioned earlier, um, those two, Leeds, United, etc., who have just played six games. Do you reckon they'll benefit and thus be interesting to our CFPL managers? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I think um, I think it can go both ways. I think you could say, you know, that, you know, they've got a bit more rest or, you know, you can make the argument that, you know, they're, they've lost their rhythm kind of thing if, you know, because they're used to kind of playing every week and, you know, missing a game week isn't, you know, something that they're used to. Um, and, you know, you know, they could be a bit rusty coming back. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know how to answer that question, really, uh, to be quite honest. I, I mean, I, I just think it's probably just just chance, really. I mean, I think it can work, work both ways. I mean, to, to pick up on the teams that Adam highlighted in terms of Chelsea and Brighton, 
I think it's likely to work very differently for those two teams, given that for Chelsea, it's kind of a, a, a decision they've made. Whereas for Brighton, it's very much an enforced change from a manager perspective. And from everything I've read, Deserby is a very different style of play to Potter, like that it will require quite a transition. Um, but I, I think Brighton's fixtures took them out of the equation anyway, so you'd have to worry about it. But if they hadn't, I don't think I'd be touching them for the very reason that, that they're in big flux. Whereas it's, it's a bit more straightforward for Chelsea. They've got better fixtures. Potter was their man kind of thing. So be less of an issue. But I don't really see at this stage of the season where they haven't had a huge number of games to get through yet. I can't really see a mini break being particularly significant from a kind of fitness perspective. And therefore, I think it's more likely to be something that kind of jars momentum and stuff. I think, you know, a lot of um, managers at this stage of the season talk about, you know, momentum and all those kinds of psychological things that you want to gather rather than needing lots of breaks necessarily, especially when the European fixtures haven't really kind of taken off yet. So I don't think it's going to be a massive positive for teams. The only team I did think it might be positive for is Leeds, just because they were kind of having to um, blend a lot of players together at the beginning of the season. You've already got a manager that's been there for a little while, so you've kind of got a established style of play. So it might be that they benefit in the sense that he's got time to work through tactics with them. Their fixtures aren't terrible. They're quite good to 13. They've got a decent fixture in Leicester, in 12 so I think Leeds are probably one of those ones we're maybe overlooking slightly um Sinistera I've seen mentioned by a few wild carders, carders they could do all right out of it but yeah I don't think that the mini break is as useful at this stage of the season as it might be later in the season okay I mean I, I think that to some extent it could actually be a good thing so the break can also be quite good to, for a manager, especially at Bryson and Chelsea, to work his way in and establish a new rhythm. Because for Bryson, the rhythm was working, but for Chelsea, it really wasn't. And for Liverpool as well, it's definitely one to bear in mind because as Klopp said, have you seen our rhythm? It's probably not a bad thing this is disrupted. I mean, Chelsea, I think, are actually quite interesting. So Arsenal and uh, United games are coming up in game weeks 13 and 15, but they're both at home. And if you look at the fixture list, if they are back to full strength, there's nothing really that worries me about them. I think maybe we're guilty of shortcutting based on the FDR covers. But you've got Palace, Wolves, Villa, Brentford, next four. If Chelsea were doing really well, we'd be looking at that run of games and thinking, oh, wow, why don't I have more than one Chelsea player? And I'd be really interested in Sterling, actually. So he's ninth overall for non-PNXGI in the league thus far. Um, I know Chelsea are performing pretty poorly in the overall XG. I know they're less than the likes of you know, Everton and Palace and just above Leicester. But I'm sure that the fixtures plus new manager may point to a resurgence. Like, as I said last week, there's no way we can kind of look at it and think, yeah, this is what's happened over the first six, seven games. Therefore, that's going to be that way for the rest of the season. Uh, but Sterling would be really interesting. I don't really like how Potter's using Sterling, or at least from that first game we saw. He looked like he wasn't playing wing back, but he was playing like a kind of hybrid role where he like plays winger, but then he's kind of like the, the whole the whole length of the left wing at, at times. And he's quite expensive. So you've got to be pretty sure that he's going to do well out of it. And I just haven't yeah. seen enough. And I would need more than a couple of games to be confident on it. He's quite, you know, it's quite a lot of money to invest in someone that I think will be used quite tactically flexibly because he's quite intelligent from a tactical perspective. And you see 
managers use him in quite different ways because of that. Um, so I, I get what you're saying about Chelsea in the sense that, that I would expect improvement from them, but I don't exactly know who you would buy apart from maybe for Fafana at four and a half, four point four. I can't really see huge obvious picks because I think it's likely that Potter will rotate and mix it about a bit while he works out what he likes. So I'm just a bit a bit cool on Chelsea, even though the fixtures are very good. Yeah, none of these players are right now, that's for sure. I also kind of mentioned falling star Mason Mount. So 7.6 now, and he's fallen the furthest of any player of this campaign, the joint furthest of any player of this campaign. But I think he would also be interesting too. Um, and Royer as well, uh, 5.3 million with Potter apparently raging, raving about him. Um, another one who could be very interesting there. I think basically from a football point of view, from an FPL point of view, wait and see. But from a football point of view, I'm really interested to see what Potter does with Chelsea. And I think their evolution will be really fascinating. And the data is definitely there to be improved. Um, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, watch and wait for both of them. Um, yeah, I mean, Chelsea have got a lot of potential in that, as you, as you mentioned, Broja, and then you've got Kepa as well at 4.4, who could possibly, you know, take Mendy's place. He's not been playing well. So, yeah, there, there's definitely options there uh, for Chelsea. But we didn't get really much information last week, Champions League, and we did see Fafana get benched, who was quite a popular option. So, yeah, I think definitely need to wait a few more weeks on Chelsea. But for, for me, I think at the moment, James is only... I think the only kind of viable Chelsea option at the moment, I think. Yeah, straight in everyone's team and was yeah. doing just very good, basically, uh, under Mr. Potter. Right, next question. We haven't mentioned them at all, uh, this pod thus far, uh, but Man United, uh, Tom Campbell asks how we feel about them in general. He says Rashford's still affordable. The fence looks like it's coming back to some semblance of solidity with Martinez and Varane working well. From a long-term horizon any interest from an FPL point of view? I mean, Abdul, what do you think about United? I know you're a, I know you're a fan. Yeah, I think, I mean, very happy with, with what Eric Ten Hag has done so far. They've, he's clearly got them playing, you know, much better football and, you know, they're a lot more compact, you know, they're they're winning games now. But yeah, from an FPL point of view, not really at the, at the moment. Um, you know, defence, midfield or, 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 you know, the forwards, I don't think. Um, you know, there's interest me at the moment. They've got City next, and you know, they've got Everton away, and then they've got Tottenham and Chelsea in the next four as well. So, fixtures wise, it's not there. I think it's maybe one to look at maybe game week 14 onwards, or maybe after the or after the World Cup. Um, I think Rashford will definitely kind of be a good option from, from the attack. I think he'll be the one to own looking at his price and you know, the position he's playing in. But, um, yeah, maybe one for kind of in the next few, you know, next four or five game weeks, or possibly after the World Cup but not at the moment. I mean, I don't have a lot more to add other than, yeah, I agree. Um, I think I yeah, just picked out that they've got Forest Wolves Bournemouth after the World Cup, so that seems like a nice time to have them. If you so happen to have some free transfers in the approach to the World Cup, they've got Villa and Fulham the first the two game weeks before the World Cup. So, you know, if you were looking at final punts before you get to reset your team, maybe they might be look, worth looking at at that point. But because of... City in game week nine and Spurs in game week 12. I think they're pretty much off the menu until till that point, really. Yep. Hopefully the instability will fade by the time we get there. But they're aggressively mid-table in terms of XG and XGA. I mean, I just... Don't I think that will improve. Yeah, but it when will. The XG improve. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I think they're going to be a massive consideration 
because of that that Forest Wolves and Bournemouth trio after Limitless yeah. or whatever you want to call it. So I think they're going to play a big role in our wildcard then. Maybe an interesting thing we'll come back to later on for those uh, for the, that duo of games, Villa and Fulham, because maybe you could get in the player a little bit cheaper before then. Right, uh, next question. Uh, Karam Tizir um, asks, with Arsenal's performances so strong at the start of this campaign thus far, is there any argument for wildcard Niners, and probably for wildcard eighters like us, actually, <laughs> to keep Gabriel Jesus given the great starts of the season? I know you've spoken about Martinelli already, um, Abdul, but mm. was Jesus a, a difficult sell? Not really. Um, as I said, as I said before, and like earlier in the pod as well, Tom, it's just his price and the fact that we've got other good forward options there at a cheaper price. Um, and again, the only reason you know I think Martinelli would could possibly stay is due to his price and you know the fact that he is you know the kind of best option I think in in, in that price point. Arsenal could well you know could do well over the next you know the Tottenham at home. I can see goals in that, so you know I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of holds in that. Liverpool away is tough. Don't see them getting much from that. And and Leeds away is, you know, a kind of fixture where it could go either way, I think. So, yeah, I think um, for me, Jesus is quite an easy sell. Martinelli, not not so much. The defensive kind of options as well, they wouldn't be a hard sell for me either. Um, I think, Ooh. you know, much better options. Okay. Let me, let me turn it around a different way to you then, Lucy. With the game week 12 blank, I think it probably made a lot of sense for anyone to sell. What about buyback? Second best team in terms of XG. Second best team in terms of XGA. Surely, Lucy, there should be some sort of plan to buy the players back in, especially when it comes to the Jesus. I think there needs to be a kind of semblance that you're transitioning back towards them at some point. I don't think Jesus is of, you know, he's not performing at a level where I would need to have like a, a solid plan for getting him back. I think the, the closer we get to game week 12, the harder it is to justify keeping any Arsenal players apart from Martinelli because you're going to want two City on the bench, aren't you? So Martinelli and two City, presumably. And then, yeah, when you come back to it, I just I just don't think that I'm that worried about it, that I definitely need to have a way to get Jesus back. I mean, Saints Forest is a great 13-14 run, but I, I don't feel the sense of urgency that I might have if other strikers weren't doing quite well. It may be that Tony blanks all of the games to that point and I think, oh, I do need Jesus back. But right now, I'm not panicking about it. I'm kind of hoping that it kind of happens fairly organically. And in 15 and 16, they've got Chelsea and Wolves away, which is, you know, probably as tough as you get from a from attacking point of view. Mm. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's one of those I've assigned to future me to sort out. I know that, that uh, <laughs> certain, certain planners out certain planners out there. I can imagine Ben Crellin just being like, "What are you doing?" But I, I just I just feel like it's one of those where I, I will sort it out when I'll cross that bridge when it comes to it, which is definitely anathema to so many individuals out there. But when Jesus throughout the course of the season, whenever you look at you know live FPL, your cavalcade of bastards, all those players who are going to hurt you week to week. <laughs> He's always going to be high on that, isn't he? It's still 70% ownership. And yeah, I think but... he's going to be... Engaged ownership will, will, will definitely decrease, but throughout the course of the season, Lucy, it's going to be quite high. Yeah, he's going to be one of those zombie team people that just lurks all season, taunting you with his points. And you are going to have to accept that sometimes he's going to do well and that's not going to have a positive impact on your rank. But I don't think that I've seen enough to say that he deserves a run 
before the World Cup. I think after the World Cup, you can look at it again. Um, but I'm I'm not panicking about that one. I think you just have to take a couple of hauls maybe on the chin and not worry about it too much. If there hadn't been that blank, then it might you might have had a bit of a different story to talk about. But I think he's been pretty much taken off the menu by that. Yeah, fair play. We're still second for non-Penetsui this season, Lucy. Better than Harry Kane, Kevin De Bruyne, Mohamed Salah. That's yeah, pretty cool. yeah, yeah. Still pretty good. They have oh. had they have had really really favourable fixtures though. They have, yeah, yeah. much yeah. more than the people you compare them to. Yep, definitely worth throwing him. Right, final question, and and one from your fellow countryman uh, Abdul FPL Labiro, Chris. Is there any way? I think we probably covered this a little bit, but it segues us on nicely to transfers and captains. So I'm going to ask it anyway. You bet against Holland with Salah <laughs> versus Bryson. So Lucy and I, I think, are going to not buy Salah this week. So I think we're both going to be on Holland. As I said earlier on, I'm not sure I'm buying that any game against City is a tough, is 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 an easy game for any team at the moment. But I mean. Could you build a, a narrative for yourself, Abdul, to Captain Salah against Bryson, or is it still Holland? Just do it, and then Salah's a great differential. It's a tough one this week. Um, I'm really kind of torn. Um, I'm definitely not kind of you know set on Salah, Captain with with Holland. I mean, the last not was the last two games with Nottingham Forest at home, and then who did they play off that again? Um, yeah. Well, basically, the two home games where uh, where Haaland, Haaland scored, I captain Salah. Um, so I'm I'm still feeling the kind of effects of that. So yeah, I've, I've kind of got that in the back. I think Salah is the better option this week, right? I think he is the better option, but I just think, um, you know, with Haaland, it's just it, it could be a bit too risky. His effective ownership, you know, his he's going to be the highest captain, I think, this week again. Um, again, I don't I don't see the need to kind of you know go against him. You know, this week because I think Salah will be a differential enough. I think with his ownership, so yeah, I'm 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 really kind of torn at the moment. Um, I could go Salah, I could go Haaland at the moment. Um, you know, my captain Armband's actually on Solanke. Um, so but obviously I'm not going to captain Solanke, but I just I'm just really kind of torn on on Salah and Haaland at the moment. So yeah, that's one for later on in the week. Your juices must be flowing though, like because you can see that if you captain your man, yeah, that goes well. Then suddenly your season's done, isn't it? Really, if he like massively outscores Holland, which is possible, then suddenly you know, hatchet for Salah, nothing for Holland, and then you're done, aren't you? You've got those. Yeah, it's it's a psychological thing because I've 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 already bet against Holland twice and lost out, and you know, do it? Do I need to kind of you know bet against them again? You know, when Salah's gonna you know do well for me either way with his ownership. One of those, it's a risk appetite question, um, which I'll decide later on in the week. So, yeah, there's so many Harrison Reed halls you can rely on <laughs> to bail you out big time. This is where yeah, Tom okay. and I differ because the whole time I was thinking, well, no, Salah is enough of a differential in himself, I wouldn't even be tempted to capture him. Whereas Tom's thinking of the potential rise that comes out of it, yeah, and that's why we'll diverge on a captaincy later on in the season, I think. Yeah, I think that's probably my yeah. problem as well. When my eyes light up at the, the what could be, <laughs> um, whereas Lucy, you're a lot better at kind of just being like, actually, that's not going to happen, you idiot. This is what's <laughs> probably going to happen. So just stick with that. 
Um, I mean, I, I, I do think though there's definitely something there in, in going for it. I can see people doing it, but I mean, I think there's definitely a wider quick point on captaincy. I, I quite like it. Like, I liked last year when Salah was the go to captain. I really like that, like, Holland takes EO out of the equation effectively because he's the captain. Mm. It just kind of creates a better FPO experience. Now I know what effective ownership is. It makes me feel better about the fact that basically all of my players are now going to be worth cheering on. Like the worst thing I find every week is when you come across those weeks when you're kind of hoping your players, like obviously there's a few occasions, but last year I think it was Bowen and uh, Antonio and all that sort of thing. When there are multiple players with over 100% ownership, like I really like the fact that all the ownership is vacuumed up by one guy. And the rest of it just becomes like, oh, there's gains everywhere. As long as Jesus doesn't score, which is effectively the zero-sum game we're in now, you know, it's all good. Uh, I, I like that. I mean, it makes FPL a lot more enjoyable for me rather than hoping that one of my players doesn't score, which seems a bit kind of anathema to why I play FPL. So, so would you would you like, if you were to change the rules, would you take the captain's out? Yeah, I would, yeah. You would? Uh... I just don't like it. I really don't like it. I, I, I think like it, it definitely makes it more luck based, but I just find it. I just find it so fun. Like well, I just think, ab- no. absolutely, yeah. it's, it's fun, but it's fun until it doesn't go your way. Yeah, season, yeah, two no, season, three season, four season, five season, and then after that, especially when things it's, it's, it creates a kind of harsh 50-50 sort of situation, doesn't it? Where you know it, all it will take is you no know, thirty-eight game weeks. All it will take is two or three game weeks where the captain doesn't go your way either yes. side. If you get on the wrong side of three of them, then suddenly you're not able to recover from that because you've lost so many points. Yeah. I think mean, that's what's quite difficult. But yeah, I completely understand why it's there, etc. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't keep it if it was me. The, the, and the, there's a lot of those last season with uh, you know Salah, um, Havertz. With, with tell me about it. Going. Tell me about it, Abdul. Please tell yeah, me. He, about he was on the wrong side of all of them, Abdul. So we don't bring out. I know. I know. I, I follow team. I follow Tom's team, and he, yeah, you were extremely unlucky. It's all right. It's all right. FPL reviews hold that if it was XG ranks, I'd be doing very well. And that's what's important. Whenever I do a yeah, screenshot, that's the real quiz. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, so uh, oh, we've kind of already done transfers and captains. I mean, Abdul, you're kind of has anything changed from doing this pod? Are you are you kind of looking at Guaitar now, just thinking, oh god, what am I doing there? Has, has, has anything changed in your thinking from speaking through it a little bit with us? Yeah, I think um, I'm a bit less hot on, on Guaita now. Um, I mean, just kind of obviously Good. with you and Lucy can Good. agree with with, with Guaita being um, your rotation with Johnston. I was at all, kind of you know sixty forty on not getting him anyway, but I just thought you know with, with his fixtures. But yeah, I think um, definitely a lot less chance of going for Guaita now. Probably go for Guy instead of instead of mm. Dunk, and then still no idea what I'm going to do. You know, for the first goalkeeper, probably go Ward and Emerson. Um, if I can find the money for Pope, maybe, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just really kind of confused. Uh, I think um, it's one for maybe Thursday or Friday night. Oh, that that ward penalty save, which you are doubtless going to get. I don't know what <laughs> you've done with the gods of FPL. I don't know what you've paid them or what you promised them. Maybe life for your firstborn or something. But I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a ward penalty save somewhere down the line. It's going to happen, uh, and it'll be hopefully. you. Or maybe it may, maybe it'll be Iverson. You started him one day, and he's just decided to come, yeah, off, maybe. come off the bench. Yeah, no, it certainly makes a lot of sense. Um, Lucy, I guess you're like like me, looking at Isaac and thinking, oh well, I suppose you'd better move him on. 
that's probably it, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think with him, the, the big attraction was that run of three fixtures. He got his very lucky penalty versus Bournemouth. Uh, I th- and I th- then after those two, I'm probably less interested. And if he's going to miss those two, there's not really much point holding on to him. So um, he's going. I just need to work out if I can get anything interesting out of the Slanky money, because if I can't, then it will be a straightforward swap to Tony, knowing that I had that 0.2 very fortuitously waiting to be spent. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's that, really. Very mm. boring. Um, and the Harlan captaincy. So disappointed, really, because I was really looking forward to rolling my transfer this week and being back in. Yeah, I, so I, I still think it's like kind of proper, like God mode, isn't it? To be like, all right, two free transfers, doing the Abdul and being like, hey, you know, I could, I could, I could just burn it this week, you know, <laughs> I, I could just burn it. Yeah, you know what? I'm taking up Ward for Iverson. Yeah, you know, look at me, hell yeah. But now it's it's just not the case. I and mean, then next week, I'm hoping I can roll it because I, I, I want to get to two for that game week 11 sort of dodgy time and then be able to not really have to throw the baby out the bath water and make loads of changes i really don't, are you, i'm normally so hit happy but this year i just kind of feel like you know i, I don't really want to be that way anymore it's my maybe, influence yeah maybe it's just lucy making me into a make me into a new man who knows right well i think on that note it's uh it's actually a lot this week thanks very much for listening everybody really good i feel like i've kind of I'm back into thinking about FPL again a little bit. I'm not going to go off and make a Isaac sale here, um, but nonetheless, definitely lots to think about. And uh, yeah, hopefully that was useful. Um, thanks so much for coming on, Abdul. A really good fun to have you on again. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks again, Abdul. And thanks everyone for listening. We were Who Got the Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL, or you can find me at Lucy Hynett with two Ts. If you enjoyed listening to this, please like and subscribe to the podcast. For new listeners out there, if you think you'll be coming back, please hit that five-star rating across platforms like iTunes and Spotify so more people can enjoy the pod. Yes, go ahead and do that, please. Thank you very much for listening. Um, we'll speak to you again next Sunday, I think. I think because I'm out on Monday. Yeah, next Sunday, I think, will be when we'll speak to you again just before the Leicester Forest game. But we'll still have enough there to speak about. All right, hope this is you. Speak to you very, very soon. Hello. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.